Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius, as our Wes Anderson Blends of the Month finally arrives at the present as we look at his brand new release, Asteroid City. Christian, how are you feeling on this fine Tuesday evening as we sit down to record? I just think that you're scared. I'm sorry. Scared. You, I asked how you were doing, and you said you think that I'm scared. What am I scared yes. of? No, I find it so titillating how scared I think you are for whether or not I enjoyed or didn't enjoy this <laughs> You find movie? it titillating. You are, you are deriving some kind of pleasure out of not knowing how I... <laughs> out of my not knowing your reaction to this movie. Because as soon as you saw it, you messaged our group chat. I am going to be the only one who likes this movie. It's true. Walking out of the theater, I was utterly convinced I was the only person, maybe that I know, that might have enjoyed this latest release from Wes himself. And Christian, your texts back to me were very inconclusive. So normally when you say what you said, you said something to the effect of, I have thoughts. Normally that means that you did not like it. But who knows? You could surprise me. There were there were times when I have surprised you as to movies that I've enjoyed that you don't think I would have enjoyed. That is very true. You are far less predictable than I am, which I appreciate about you. And we will have to get into your thoughts here on Asteroid City. Some quick details, of course. Not a ton to report, as this is a brand new release, of course. So we don't have box office just about yet. No awards or anything like that. It, it premiered at Cannes. It did which premiere I at think Cannes. is hilarious, because Wes Anderson will premiere almost every single one of his movies at the Cannes Film Festival. And not a single one of them has ever won the Palme d'Or. Which, look, look. He is supposedly beloved in Europe. So the longer his streak of losing at Cannes goes, the more that I'm just like, guys, guys, how much do you actually like him then? I mean, Christian, one person or one filmmaking pair wins the award every year. <laughs> he's never won Best Picture, but that doesn't mean he's not beloved in America. I, I'm talking about the French because I think he <laughs> lives there. He moved his entire family out there, and the French still don't reward him. Oh, boy. Uh, who knows? Well, it's not the French. It's it's a jury of international filmmakers. That's right, oh. Christian. A jury of international filmmakers. But, yes, this film did compete for the Palme d'Or. did not win, of course. But we have that early awards attention there from Cannes. And I'm sure it will show up at American award ceremonies later this year, likely for things such as Best Production Design, as that is typically a draw for Wes Anderson films we also have some early box office but nothing conclusive yet because it's not even at wide release yet as we're recording this episode it is june 20th we saw it as part of its limited release in new york and los angeles and it will be expanding widely june 23rd around the country so we will have to see how it performs once it reaches a wide audience decent return so far from a small release but i am very curious to see how asteroid city compares to previous anderson movies as we have discussed his two biggest hits thus far in the royal tenenbaums and the grand budapest hotel and i don't think that asteroid city will match that especially in a post-covid uh ip driven box office but we'll see i've been wrong before what 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 do what do we need to say about this movie the fact that it's a um 
what it's a it's a documentary about the making of a play but most of the story is about the play as it unfolds but it'll occasionally break the play format and go into the people discussing how the play is made but then occasionally the documentary will also step in everything i said y'all if that sounds confusing yeah <laughs> yeah a, a, a little bit yes the the framing device is a bit more confrontational in asteroid city than it is in the previous movies we've discussed as christian notes it is technically a television episode of a documentary series covering a televised production of the play asteroid city and we see the play depicted with full color and widescreen photography when everything else plays out in black and white academy ratio which we talked about last week with friend of the show hannah perella it also, of course, is not just directed by Wes, but written by him, co-written with a frequent collaborator of his recently, Roman Coppola, member of the Coppola family there, and stars a very large ensemble cast, a lot of people that you will recognize, a lot of famous people, some young actors on the rise, but I think the most notable people here, the people with the most screen time from the ensemble would be Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Jake Ryan, and perhaps... Edward Norton, who is the playwright of the play Asteroid City. Christian, anything else you want to get in in terms of kind of behind the scenes or details of the movie before we get into our review? Yeah. Um, so Edward Norton plays Conrad Earp, who's the playwright. Does I... You know what? Actually, no. There's there's nothing. No, no. There's nothing else right now. Okay. I, I have a I have a question for later. Okay. But it shall be for later. File that away, bud. Time for your opening question here, Christian, as we will start to peel back the layers and see your thoughts on this movie. I just want the listeners to know. I am prepared for Christian to tell me this is his least favorite Wes Anderson movie, and I am prepared for him to tell me that it is better than anything we've discussed on the show thus far. So, who knows? We, we shall see. Christian, your question. Often, Anderson's framing devices are either aesthetic, like in Tenenbaums, where it opens up with the fake novel, the Royal Tenenbaums has chapter titles and so on, or they don't really conflict with each other, like in the Grand Budapest Hotel, where the theme of memory and melancholy is brought out by this young person reading a book, seeing the author being interviewed, then the younger author interviewing the subject of the book, and then seeing the adventures of the subject of the book, that Russian nesting doll framing device. But now in Asteroid City, we have, as you noted, a framing device that is interacting with the main action much, much more. The play Asteroid City serves as most of the film, but there's much uh, screen time devoted to the behind the scenes of this play. We see the actors, we see the director, and we see Brian Cranston often coming in as the narrator of this television program. So, Christian, I am curious. Did this framing device work for you, or did it only serve as an unnecessary complication and, and limit your feelings for the film? I think it's fascinating, but I don't think it's well fleshed out. Okay. So the, the uh, what was it? We are, I don't really think that there's a central theme to this movie necessarily. It toys a little bit with some existential dread. And it toys a little bit with the idea of what it is that you leave behind. So aspects of legacy. But it's very convoluted that I don't think any of those ideas are clearly coming across. 
and they seem more as interesting asides to view the filmmaking process and production design rather than uh, contributing to plot thematics and audience enjoyment yeah what we what i mentioned last week on the show was the the quick rotten tomatoes breakdown after it lists the positive score from critics it also says asteroid city is unlikely to win wes anderson many new converts but those who respond to his signature style will find this a return to immaculately immaculately arranged form and i think as you are identifying the framing device is so key to that where anderson is having so much fun with the design and the aesthetics of this movie and yet the narrative is very complicated and i don't fault you or blame you at all for (laughs) finding that it limited your enjoyment especially as we talk about as you bring up the themes which i definitely felt like there's as, as opposed to going very deep with one or two sort of core ideas that asteroid city finds itself touching on a variety of ideas and occasionally going deep momentarily, but then coming back up to the surface and touching on something else, depending on who we are with in the cast, because this is such a large group of people that there's all these little storylines going on and unfolding around the general, the very general through line narrative through line. Yeah. I think I found more enjoyment in the movie, but the reason I felt like I would be the only person that we know who liked it is because I was aware of that them- thematic, uh, I guess, mile wide and then maybe a few inches deep. Not not an inch deep, but not as much depth as Anderson has, has given in the past. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I will say after the first 30 minutes... Or during the first 30 to 40 minutes, I was captivated. I thought that the Brian Kranz's introduction was incredible and motivated, motivated me to want to know what was going on. I think Jason Schwartzman is, is giving a fantastic performance. I think he that Jason is Schwartzman is so good. Is inc- oh my goodness, is so incredible. Whether it's as one of the main characters of this play or when we get the behind the scenes of what his actor is doing. And then 40 minutes in, I didn't think that the plot was going anywhere. And I got progressively and progressively angrier that I wanted to go home and set large houses on fire. You wanted and to I set just wanted large to houses on fire? around in the rubble and Christian. kind of let it burn, like just everything in sight. Because this 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 was a movie that was so far up its own ass, there was absolutely nothing for it at all. And one of the one of the people as they walked out of the screening said, "Nothing or or no, what did they say? Um, the plot didn't go anywhere. This is the most useless movie that I've ever seen." And I looked at her and I go, "Yeah, what yeah. a." depressing and disappointing way of looking at movies (laughs) it comes back to a central argument that we've had on this show so many times in that i think unfortunately a lot of people these days especially people who go to the movies to watch mainstream film so whether it's marvel and dc or the fast and the furious or creed john wick all these other franchises that have been thriving this year people normally just go to the movies for a a delivery of a story some people, especially derisively called a plot delivery device. Like, that's all that people see movies as. And movies are, of course, not simply plot delivery devices. They are works of art. Even 
even the the blandest corporate IP driven films are worked on by genuine artists. I I did not like the Super Mario Brothers movie, for example, but I found a lot of a lot to praise about the artistry of the animators in that movie. But and, and, I, s- and so what I'm getting at with Asteroid City, I, I why am I going to be the fifty millionth person to praise the production design when I am tired of continuing to see movies that have great production design but okay look if you don't have plot i think you have to have characters and the jason the jason schwartzman character i absolutely love augie is his name right i absolutely loved augie and his storyline isn't isn't developed his processing of of his his dead wife who'd been dead for three weeks and he never told his children is not developed the storyline of his son isn't really developed the no one's storylines are are really are 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 really going anywhere and uh, i I, as much as i love the performance i didn't care about the character and i here's i i feel like retroactively i'm like maybe i was too harsh on 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 the royal tenenbaums because the royal tenenbaums is so laser focused in on its small cast that you develop feelings for all of them that you care about where it is that they're going the thematic resonance of of how broken they are based on a lifetime of unfair expectations being placed in them is so resonant and as sprawling as this cast was and this does not always happen with this sprawling cast but as sprawling as this cast was i was like i i i i, I can't I, I really can't. So I, I think you're getting at a couple different ideas, right? But the primary one being, if you're not going to have plot, you got to have character. And I just simply disagree with the fact that the, the individual storylines here don't go anywhere, especially for Schwartzman's character. He's in a dual role as Augie, who's one of the main characters of the play within the movie, and also playing the actor behind the scenes who I... I Honestly, I think I missed his name in the movie, but according to Wikipedia, his name is Jones Hall. So he's playing Augie, the character, and Jones, the actor. And one thing that Anderson draws out in the Schwartzman character is the melancholy between the two of them. We see Augie, this photographer who is mourning his wife, distant from his children to the point that he's planning on abandoning them and leaving them with their grandfather. And we see Jones, the actor, who is so troubled at one of the decisions that Augie makes in the play, specifically intentionally burning his hand on a little George Foreman grill, griddle kind of thing. And we just get to see the ways that that Jones tries to find the character while the character Augie tries to reconnect with his children while simultaneously building this relationship with Scarlett Johansson's character. And... I found a lot to enjoy there and the little comedic diversions that came from other groups of the cast just made for a, a richer, fuller experience for me. I think I had a hard time getting my mind around all that Asteroid City was and it holds it back from being one of my favorite Anderson films for that reason. But I think there's so much to enjoy in the small pockets of the cast or occasional narratively driven moments that I I could get around the fact that some of these storylines don't get much more than 10 to 15 minutes of screen time or 
that it felt like the thematic depth wasn't as deep as the Grand Budapest Hotel, for example. There's, okay. I, he is a master. Wes Anderson is, is, is absolutely talented in the way that he crafts these worlds, but it feels like he's the only one who knows what these worlds are. I don't really think too many people are going to know why there is the confrontation between the framing device and the plot and the purpose of the play. The the break when they when Brian Cranston's documentarian is there for a second and within the the plot of the play and then he's like, "Oh, is it not my line?" "Oh, okay." And he leaves. I think is meant to be a joke. I think but so too. Is I wasn't laughing cuz I was confused as as to is that purposeful are we able to break character at any point in time we um i mean i found that funny simply because to me it felt like anderson some some of the critical conversation around this movie has been essentially wes anderson heard the criticisms and just tripled down on all of them and made the most as you say up his own ass movie he's made yet and something like that feels like anderson making fun of his own predilection for framing devices where he's trying to keep all of these balls in the air at once and he cannot keep them from (laughs) unintentionally intersecting where the actors playing the characters within the play get annoyed at brian cranston's tv narrator because he has jump to the line he is too early <laughs> and like to me that was that was a gag and that was anderson having fun with his own stylistics and and drawing upon them for comedy i i just wish someone was editing these scripts and i i can assure you that these things probably go through a bajillion revisions to really <laughs> nail down exactly what it's about and how to structure it doesn't it. It, it doesn't feel like it. Like, yes, to, to, to make sure that the structure is going through. But I, I feel like there needs to be someone saying, yo, what's this movie about? Uh, again, again, we, we are getting are, to questions that... There, no, no, no. There are beautifully made movies where you can hang out with people and it is a large ensemble cast and American graffiti is one of the first ones that comes to mind. And yes, you know, different type of movie, very much so a hangout movie, except Wes Anderson kind of wants you to hang out with these characters in this type of atmosphere and explore themes that every single one of the characters is going through the way a different type of hangout movie would. And I, I, I need I don't know. I, I wish I was with the son and the three daughters to see a little bit more of what the existential dread means for them, except it feels like it's glossed over in favor of laughs. When when his uh, his father-in-law, when Schwartzman's father-in-law, played by Tom Hanks, come over... Very first appearance in a Wes Anderson movie. We have Tom Hanks joining the party. First appearance in a Wes Anderson movie. And he is there to talk with the children and him and Schwartzman talk about how the, the Hanks never really liked Schwartzman's character beforehand. And now they're both trying to deal with he, he's Wes, Wes is, 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 is stopping himself a little bit from from going deeper, like the the um, the fear that that Scarlett Johansson's character Midge has 
or not even fear, but dread, uh, or, or, or I, I can't even really pinpoint what it is that she's scared of as a famous actress, really. Part of it seems existential, and part of it seems to be the nature of the purpose of her acting and roles. I wish I spent more time with it. I, I don't, I don't, I cannot even properly describe what these characters are going through. But what I can do is remember the stop-motion alien... Heck Which, yeah, you can. <laughs> what was like really funny? Yes. And and then I'm like, this is trying to comment on how small we are in the universe and how oh, there's so much out there and how our lives are kind of like specks of dust, except it hasn't said any of that. So I don't really know how much it believes in it. I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't necessarily get that idea from the movie because the point i think of the alien is partially just the aesthetics of asteroid city which is this homage to 1950s alien invasion paranoia and types of films but it's a, What's that of course movie? an extremely andersonian fantastic take on planet it. I, it seems to be an homage to fantastic planet also. i mean have you seen fantastic planet because i have not the the animation stills from that movie very much so match up with some of yeah. the it's a the designs French animated film from the seventies that I think is about explorers who go to a fantastic planet again have not seen it so maybe I'm getting that wrong but yeah again like the aliens intervention I think is in keeping with the narrative style of this type of movie you have these people who are beset upon by an alien and of course it's a quirky stop-motion miniature Wes Anderson alien or a puppet rather <laughs> and I think you have characters like Jake Ryan who you've mentioned a couple times the son of Augie Jake Ryan is playing I'm looking for him on this large cast list because I'm trying to keep the names straight uh, his name is I'm forgetting it of course but he is part of this junior stargazer convention that is the reason within the play for all of these characters gathering there's awards being given out to Ryan's character as well as a few other teenage characters who have these amazing inventions and you get to see some of the the teenage hijinks as they try to track down the alien break the story all of the hijinks the parents get up to there's a few of them who just start milling around with steve carell who's playing the the manager of the motel or the the rv or the motor park that everybody is staying at so you have these little pockets of characters within this milieu uh as as we've pointed out and i think some of it is frankly it's for fun it's for comedy it's for just having an enjoyable time at the movie a lot of you know you're talking about hangout movies here a lot of the times what you can get out of a movie like that is just the good vibes and that is what i took from asteroid city i really enjoyed just the vibes of the movie and again not among my favorites from anderson at this point i don't think but still a movie that i really really enjoyed and there's some of that thematic depth that we keep returning to with schwartzman and johansson in particular but with everybody else i think there's just a lot of fun to be had especially as anderson uses his signature style to capture this science fictiony story I also feel odd because for Grand Budapest Hotel, it felt like there was so much plot. I couldn't care about the characters. And here there are too many characters that I don't know what the plot is. It, 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 it just always feels like he's writing scripts to service 
how cool and weird and zany it's supposed to look and i don't like that i i i'm the the more that it doesn't feel he's writing for a story the, or, or or for a character the more that i'm not really going to appreciate it the, okay but again french, i think no, french Asteroid dispatch City. sure i french did enjoy french dispatch from two years ago i do think is quite fascinating um and i for some reason i kind of did follow through the connective through line because it seemed to be an an, an ode to journalism itself now right. like 80 million things are going on in that movie but I enjoyed what it was trying to go for. And what the French Dispatch benefits from that, I, and again, I prefer that, it's, it's near the top of my Anderson rankings, is that each story is self-contained. Yeah. It's, it's modeled after, I think it's the riffing on The New Yorker, I think is what people said. And it's modeled after a story written by one of the fictional writers writing for this fictional magazine, The French Dispatch. So... You have a lot going on, yes, but they're all self-contained stories. Whereas Asteroid City has this complicated framing device, broad story, tons of characters all interacting with one another. And, and, and that complication, I think, was a little bit... I understand how it can be off-putting. Fun for me and other fans of his work, obviously. But... I, I understand. I, again, I dis, I might disagree with the premise of like begging for a plot or finding frustration with Anderson's writing style, but I, I do understand the difference in why you may have preferred Dispatch to Asteroid. I, I guess I'm also upset because this man is talented and had the script been tighter, I could see it very well being one of the best movies of the year. Because the introduction to the script kind of, to, to the story kind of promises this view as to how we look at the scar, at the, at the stars when we feel we're too small because this man is dealing with this dead wife and he didn't know how to tell his children. And this is all being told by a playwright who is also probably undergoing similar things regarding it. And, and the framework of the play within the TV show thing it, it seemed cool and i go oh i wonder where they're taking this it just didn't deliver to me what i think the first 30 minutes were promising yeah there's there is sort of this idea that erp who is the playwright played by edward norton introduces when we see a clip of him talking with actors at an actor's studio and a lot of them are faces who then pop up in asteroid city proper we have willem dafoe there playing this noted acting teacher who does not have a role in most of the movie. But we do have Maya Hawke, who a lot of people will recognize from Stranger Things. She is playing an actress who shows up as a school teacher in Asteroid City. We see Matt Dillon, his first appearance in a Wes Anderson movie, who appears in, Wes Anderson, er, in Asteroid City as a mechanic. There's a lot of these faces who we'll see recur in the story. And he, he introduces this idea of wanting the play to feel like a dream. And I wish that I had a better memory to recall some of these sequences because I think that's where a lot of the the thematic maybe not depth but some of the thematic breath comes from is these moments where Conrad Earp is talking to the actors and talking about this feeling of, of as if living through a dream and I think too by foregrounding that Anderson is 
not fully introducing dream logic in the way that someone like David Lynch might introduce it into one of his movies, but he's toying with the idea of these colliding narratives and framing devices because when you're having a dream, of course, you can wander from one place to the next. You have people from your past appearing suddenly. You have people you work with showing up at your childhood home, something like that. And I think by thinking about dreams, we can see how we might get caught up in these actors and their characters kind of colliding into one. But again, if you're not satisfied with the the depth of the characters or the, the depth of the storylines, that may just not be satisfying to you as a viewer. That's all I got. Okay, Christian. Well, I, I do want to talk a little bit more, just especially about the ensemble here. So I'm just going to, I'm going to start naming a few of the, the groups that we see, and I want to get your thoughts on them. Whether Maybe you got some surface pleasure, just like giggled at what they said or something like that. So I'm curious. So we mentioned Maya Hawk. She shares a lot of scenes with Rupert Friend, who is playing Montana, the singing cowboy. And they interact with, with Hawk's character's class because she's a teacher. And there's one kid named Dwight who keeps getting into hijinks with the cowboys. So any thoughts on that that little subset of the cast? It was cute. <laughs> I personally am hoping that the song they sing near the end of the movie finds its way into the Oscar conversation for best original song. <laughs> I, there's a, that's a choice. Yes, it was, it was. Again, I think of moments like that where Anderson is having fun with this milieu and these characters and maybe, again, not going deep with the themes but still making me as an audience member laugh as we see Dwight get up and start singing this song about the alien who visited their stargazer convention backed by Montana and his cowboys. And it's just a fun, funny scene. I, I for people who are curious about this movie, look forward to it. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Behind the scenes, we have Adrian Brody playing Schubert Green, who's the director of the play. He shares a scene with Hong Chow, who a lot of people will recognize from the menu or the whale as his wife who is leaving him and schubert green also has a scene with augie's actor behind the scenes he has a couple of moments any thoughts on schubert green adrian brody uh weird yes <laughs> there's a moment where he yeah. is he is on the set of asteroid city and he is shadow boxing his coat rack although there is a speed bag right next to him which again just playing with the idea of these people living living in their dreams i don't know it it, it just was funny to me i just don't really see adrian brody in movies outside of i mean out, out, outside of um wes anderson movies anymore yeah his his career has taken a downturn and he is now part of the part of the anderson ensemble cast for most of these movies but that's kind of his only mainstream appearances these days any thoughts he on him or in a Hong movie Chow? in 2014 called american heist with hayden christensen again which i have not seen because nobody has his career has taken a downturn christian okay cool <laughs> hong chow is in this movie for about 12 seconds Indeed um she is great scene uh, cool I mean, she plays this this director's wife who is leaving him, and I, I enjoyed the scene. It's a good one for her. We have, I'm looking at my cast list here. Um, Jake Ryan is Woodrow. That's that's the, the name that I kept forgetting. I Woodrow. liked him. I liked him. 
So nice. Woodrow gets to pair off with the other teenagers here. So there's Sophia Lillis, who a lot of people will recognize, playing one of the other stargazers. Ethan Josh Lee playing Ricky. And Grace Edwards, notably as Dina Campbell, who sort of forms a romantic interest in Woodrow as their parents also start to fall for each other. Any, Bro, any everything thoughts that on the you're kids, saying, you, you are listing off so many names. And this yeah. is such a big cast, and at times I'm struggling to remember what they do. Okay, that's nice, Christian. I'm asking you to comment on the movie. Forget about the names. Think about the characters. The teenagers here get up to a lot of hijinks, and that, I they brought me joy that, once again. That's sure. Yeah, I I like the three uh, the three girls who think they're witches. <laughs> Not who we're talking about here, but <laughs> never mind. Yes, yeah. Augie. I mean Augie and Woodrow are joined by the three little sisters, who yes think they're witches and vampires and zombies, and they. They are very cute and get a ton of hilarious lines, which I appreciate. Any thoughts on the, the, the teenage crew, whether they're Stargazer inventions or their attempts to reach the alien or, or anything on that group? Loki couldn't care less about them. Really? Yep. Christian, you are too much of a hater for my liking. <laughs> okay. What 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 do you want me to say? I'm, I didn't like this movie. I know. I want you to say your honest thoughts. And I knew you didn't like this freaking movie. You had to leave me in suspense. I am a grown-up, Christian. I, I have the power of intuition. <laughs> I, I I thought about putting in my Letterboxd review just so that you could see it. And, and then that would probably turn into our opening question. I, except I'm like, no. Because he knows. He knows. I know. Because he knows this movie, as, as several people pointed out, is not for anyone except the most diehard of Wes Anderson fans. I mean, again, I lightly disagree there because I think the way that I would reframe that is that Wes Anderson fans will have the most fun with it. But I still think there's a lot to enjoy. Whether whether I, you like I don't complicated... Think so past the 30 minute mark i think past what, what is the it specifically about mark, the 30 minute this mark. movie feels long past the 30 minute mark people are going to be looking at their watches as i did thinking frick we're only at one hour and there's 40 minutes left i mean again like that i don't know what to say about that because sure the movie felt long to you but to me it was in, it was engrossing and again not the Anderson movie that I'm most connected with, but even so, I I very much enjoyed what he was working with here. And sure, some of the complicatedness of the narrative didn't necessarily work for me, but I had a lot of fun with the movie, and that's what I think people can enjoy if they're if they know going into it. Okay, this is not the Flash. This is not Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. No one's this is, saying this is this the is, Flash or Transformers: but, Rise of the Beasts. But you are complaining about, or rather, critiquing, not complaining. You're critiquing the the lack of uh, clarity in the plot and the themes, the lack of depth of character. And what I'm saying is, I think that non-Anderson fans could enjoy this for its surface pleasures, for the look of the movie, for the gags and the jokes, because I laughed a lot watching this movie okay and i think by saying derailing the movie the gags and the jokes but i do think that a movie within the first 10 minutes should try to tell you what it's about and you know what maybe maybe i'm gonna shoot myself in the foot and say you know maybe it did tell me within the first 10 minutes that it's going to be a convoluted mess 
but it's trying to tell you that it is going to be an introspective or at least deep inside look at to this playwright's emotions as presented, which is typically what plays are supposed to do. And it is not that. And 30 minutes, I realized between the 30 and 40 minute mark was was my expiration date for for being able to appreciate how the movie looked. And afterwards, I thought, I can't. I can't just keep on saying this is good production design because a movie has to have more than production design. And this movie, I don't think had more than that, except for a great performance by Jason Schwartzman and a pretty good performance by Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. We barely talked about her. Uh, she gets a great she's, scene too. She's great in this movie. Want to quickly note, she does have a couple of scenes where she's playing the actress off of the set of the play. And she and Jake Ryan, who is actually, we find out, the understudy for Woodrow, not the actual primary actor cast for him. They get this great scene because she's fleeing the production <laughs> the night before it opens. And they get a scene where he has been sent by the director trying to win her back and has these varying letters that he's supposed to read to her, depending on how she's feeling. It's a, it's a good scene. And again, I, I get it. So I guess it's about what are movies for, you know, and, and I, as I've gotten older and gotten to see more and especially fall in love with directors like Wes Anderson, I've continued to bristle with the idea that movies have to be about telling good stories and have to be about plot delivery because the sheer aesthetic of a movie can pull me along a bad story or an undercooked thematic pie or can wash over lesser performances these things all work together it's in sometimes yes there's a action movie with some good action scenes but it's a terrible story it's terribly directed it's got terrible effects and that sinks it you know so of course sometimes you weigh these things differently but when it comes to Wes Anderson I really genuinely think that fans of his will love this movie and people who don't consider themselves fans of it can still like it just because you didn't and have not had a satisfying month this month with his movies, whether on rewatch or first watch, I okay, don't think that everybody's I'm, going to feel the way that you not, do about okay, Asteroid City. Sure, but I'm not. Okay, so right now, the purpose of our discussions on this podcast are to talk about what we see in the movie and then to say, do we recommend it or do we not recommend it to other people? And there, I, I do not speak for all audience members. That being said, I know that some people have similar tastes to me, though not identical. And for what I can say, do I recommend this movie? No, I do not recommend this movie because this movie made me angry. <laughs> and you are right that 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 um, it 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 is it is unfair to put a universal stop to anything. I hesitate to ever put universal ideas, which is why I don't like saying whether movies are good or bad because someone will like, like tons and tons of people like the movie that I think was the worst theater movie going experience I have ever had and tons and tons of people hate Birdman which is my favorite movie of all time however, for the purposes of right now, no I don't like this movie, I think that it was up its own ass and I think that the issue that would have helped this movie for me is plot or less of less characters. What's so funny to me is that one of your favorite movies of last year is Bardo. I was, uh, I was you just up, thinking that. You brought up Birdman, of course, directed by Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu. My R's do not roll. I'm sorry to Iñárritu. And his movie last year, Bardo, was beloved by some, but 
pretty widely derided by, by most. the critical community at large. And a lot of people criticized it as being up its own ass, <laughs> being self-indulgent. Now, I try to steer clear of that as a critical category because I am a Wes Anderson fan. I want directors who are self-indulgent. Uh, I'm a Spike Lee fan. You know, I, I, I like directors who are about what they are about and don't necessarily try to make universal movies and in so doing make them. And so it's just funny to me that your love of a movie that was criticized for being self-indulgent and up its own ass <laughs> uh, is we're now replicating that experience here on the show. Because again, you're a big in your Ritu guy. You love his stuff. And I, of his movies that I've seen, I've been a huge fan. Bardo was the first one for me that was a negative experience. And it just it's funny to see how Anderson is one of my guys. And you're having now a similar experience with Asteroid I, City that I had with Bardo. I, I, I don't want to relitigate the Bardo discussion. However, I, I, I will say, just, just a, a quick one, the characters multiple times in that movie give the themes of immigration and alienation. Yeah, like absolutely. Explicitly and I don't think a single character in this movie talks about the themes of existential dread explicitly. I mean, and again, Conrad Earp talks about this feeling of being in a dream and with the acting students, like that is foregrounded directly in the yes, show. Yes, it, it is foregrounded. It is one of the asides. It is one of the in-between scenes that we get. I, 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 I think that Inuritu with, Without talking about my love for the movie, I think that Inu Ritu made it clear what that movie was about. Um, yes, I don't. But he think... took his sweet time over th almost three hours, more like two hours and forty minutes. And this movie is a In full an hour, hour shorter. And forty minutes, <laughs> and you complained about it being too. Not long. a single time. <laughs> Are, is 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 the point made clear? And I think that he believes that there is a point. Now, again, I don't think you're wrong. Like, I don't think Asteroid City lacking a point, you know, I, I don't think that's off base. It's just a matter of how you engage with that question because sometimes I... There are people who like these kinds of movies, you know, where you really have to think about and pull your own conclusions from the movie. It's not laid out for you. I like movies where they make it very clear what it's about. I like movies where they sometimes don't make it clear what it's about. And you have to ponder it and think on it on your own time. Treat it literally like a work of art as opposed to a plot delivery device. Although I do love my fair share of, of PDDs. But all, all that to say, it, it's I don't think that you're stupid because you liked Bardo and didn't like Asteroid City. Even though Bardo is longer and also up its own ass. Um, but Asteroid City was too long and too up its own ass for you. Um, that's just how freaking watching and liking movies works. And it, it just, it, it makes me sad. You didn't like Asteroid City and uh, <laughs> like, cause I did, but it also like, that's just, that's just a forming a personal taste goes. That's, that's a forming a personal taste. Some people might love this movie. One of our favorite film critics loves Wes Anderson and thinks that he, it, it, he is, um, their, their favorite living filmmaker. And look, I'm I'm this this podcast. One of the strengths of it is that you and I don't always see eye to eye, and we get contentious because when the other person doesn't like our movie, we get sad. <laughs> but I yes I, I, yes we do. I, I will there. say, much more often on this freaking show, you don't like my movies. 
We had a whole knockdown drag out conversation about Birdman because that's your favorite movie of all time. And it, I docked it half a star from five to four and a half stars. <laughs> and I had to be the bad guy of that episode. Now, the. <laughs> now, um, this is also your fault. You know I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. You could have chosen that as one of this month's movies. It's true. And it's probably true. more people have seen Fantastic Mr. Fox and Royal Tenenbaums. And it probably that equally is true, as much actually. as Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. it's Fantastic Mr. Fox is, was not as big a box office hit as either of those movies, of course. But I would say it's probably a little more widely known than something like World Bombs. But, of course, I picked those first two because one marked his major breakthrough to the mainstream. The second yeah. marked his sort of coronation by They're the industry. important to the Wes Anderson story. Yes. And now we have his new release, of course. And that is Asteroid City, which hopefully is available in a theater near you, or especially if you live in New York City or Los Angeles, but it'll be expanding widely soon. And we'd love to know your thoughts on this movie. If you side more with Christian, if you side more with me, if you find yourself somewhere in between, send us your thoughts, cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Now, Christian, we will get a chance to talk about Fantastic Mr. Fox and all of the other Wes Anderson movies that we have not covered yet next week on the show. As I mentioned, we will be covering his filmography in our bonus episode for this month. And here's we're going to be doing a Wes Anderson ranked episode. But here's what I want to do. Since we both have already seen all of his movies, what I want to do is walk through chronologically his movies and see where we each rank them. So not so much a respective top five, but see how we rank each movie relative to his filmography. So for example, Grand Budapest Hotel is my favorite. It's going to be my number one. It's a movie that you did not enjoy as much on a rewatch, and I know it's going to be near... I would imagine it's going to be near the bottom of your list. Am I wrong in saying that? It, it's near the bottom, but I... It's pretty solidly there because I have watched Grand Budapest Hotel three times now, right. and the opinion hasn't changed. Yeah. Now, I'm... And, and take this with a grain of salt. I, I suggested that we rewatch Ast- um, Asteroid City later today. Because I do think that on a rewatch, it's like maybe there is a greater appreciation. I, I don't think outright love, but maybe there is something there that I can unlock to just understand Wes Anderson's psyche more. So I, as of right now, Asteroid City is not high up there for me. Um, I, I think with some exceptions, I lean more toward some of the earlier Wes Anderson movies. Because he is working with the smaller cast. You're definitely not alone in that. And I know for some, Rushmore, his second film, is people's favorite Wes Anderson movie. I love Rushmore. It's I Jason Schwartzman's debut film performance. He's fantastic yep. in it. He's fantastic in it. It's Anderson really bringing out a lot of his stylistic desires. And he's starting to hone that style with Robert Yeoman, who has been his DP for his whole career. So... I'm excited to talk through his career chronologically next week as we build out our respective ranked lists and see how they compare. I, I have a story that you are going to love. Is it is it for next week or is it for right now? It is for right now. Lay it on me. Do you remember the, the that brief time period in which I was a teacher? I do remember that brief time period of multiple years in which you were a teacher. <laughs> One of my students, one of my old students, emailed me recently and said, Hi, Mr. Uvillis. I see that there is a new Wes Anderson movie coming out, and I remember that in class you showed us the movie Rushmore, and I quite enjoyed it. 
What are your thoughts on Asteroid City, and would you recommend seeing it? Looks like we've got a new listener for the show. <laughs> You'll send them this podcast episode once it is released. <laughs> I was just going to send him the podcast link and not <laughs> nothing else, but um, I, I want you to know I caused one of my students to enjoy a Wes Anderson movie. Good job, Christian. Way to go. <laughs> There are plenty of Wes Anderson movies streaming, and I hope that you check out some of them, especially if you've not seen them before. As we get to our conversation next week, you can find his animated efforts, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs on Disney+, Plus, for example. Moonrise Kingdom is on Prime right now, I believe. So check those streaming services, find those Wes Anderson movies, and join us for our conversation for his career next week on the show. Until then, of course, that is our show, and we greatly appreciate you listening and hope that you enjoyed our chat over Asteroid City. There are a few things that you can do to support this podcast that we would greatly appreciate. Number one, please do subscribe and leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Helps us reach new listeners and grow on those platforms and warms our little hearts to see those five-star reviews come in. You can also send us feedback to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. As I mentioned earlier in the show, we'd love your thoughts, especially on a movie like Asteroid City that seems to be very critically beloved, but a little bit divisive between average Joes like us, folks who are I don't Anderson know fans. If it's critically beloved. I think it is. I, I actually think it's a little. I, I think it's a more divided critically. It is a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 77 on Metacritic, and I've seen multiple people refer to it as his best film yet. So I it's it's maybe it between this and French Dispatch, it is I mean, I, I actually don't even think Grand Budapest Hotel cracks the Wes Andersonian nature of 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 Asteroid City and French Dispatch. Who who knows? Who knows? I I am sure there, there's more to him, of course, than just center framing and rock songs from the 70s. So yeah, like Transformers, there's more than meets the eye. Indeed, just like the Autobots, there's more than meets the eye with Wes Anderson. <laughs> but send us your thoughts, folks. Would love to know your thoughts on Asteroid City. I love that you were that you were like. Look, this isn't like The Flash or like Transformers: Rise of the Beast. And inside, I go. Is it is that what is that? Christian? I am saying that you go to those movies for for a big, easy to understand story and a big action scenes. You don't necessarily come to Wes Anderson because the the story itself is so great. You come for his style. That is why you know what movie you're, is your coming butt is in the seat. that you and I will connect over. Oppenheimer, Barbie. Um, There's an important third Killers one of the Flower Moon. That is maybe not one we're going to connect on. I can't wait to not connect on that. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Mission Part Impossible one, Dead fool. Reckoning Part 1. Holy cannoli. Those social media reactions have been rolling out, and I'm very excited. I saw one critic say that he did not love it as much as everybody else, and everybody jumped on him for being a loser. So, <laughs> Twitter is a mistake. Don't use Twitter. Just watch movies and then read full-length reviews. Be, be erudite unlike me because I'm a social media idiot but it's going to be fun when we talk about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning and we hope that folks out there listening are still still there for it so please do support the show you can also follow myself and the show on Twitter Christian on Instagram and the both of us on Letterboxd where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching Christian any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home if you like this movie that is okay 
Good I'm job. not anti people who dislike the movies or who uh, like the movies that I dislike. Otherwise, Scott and I would not have a podcast. No, we would not. Uh, we we might struggle with a friendship, let let alone a podcast. <laughs> Of course, folks, I'm Scott, he's Christian, and until next time, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.